0: And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let me pray again. Father, I pray I pray that that we would not believe sluggishly this morning. Help us with Bibles open in our laps to contemplate to consider these glorious truths with hearts that are open as well. Hearts ready to believe, hearts ready to worship. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's consider this announcement. First, we want to believe this awesome announcement. And I use that word awesome deliberately. It's not just like this really neat, really cool announcement or something like that. I mean, it's awesome in the sense that it's just full of, full of wonder, full of awe. The word awesome, it can even... Kevin Strike, it's, 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 it's this awe that leads, that's leads to fear. And that's what we see in this account. So these shepherds, they're understandably, they are not prepared for this kind of announcement. These fellows have no category for what, for what they are, what's about to take place in front of them. And so now one quick side note. The, these shepherds, are the are just about the most unlikely audience for an announcement like this to be made. It's this angelic announcement. It doesn't come to Caesar Augustus or to, to, to Herod the Great. It doesn't come to the religious elite, to the Sanhedrin as they're meeting together, or to the priests that are in the temple. No, no. It's this group of ordinary, unnamed, working class sinners, shepherds, that this angel appears and makes this incredible announcement. There's nothing special about these guys. They're remarkably unremarkable. But but this massive moment in redemptive history where where history just pivots right here, it, it takes place in this nondescript field with these obscure, nameless shepherds. This is a group of shepherds. And an angel of the Lord, the text says, appeared to them out of nowhere, suddenly. That's typically how angels appear. Just come and, and an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. How we read that and we're familiar with these words and that's, that's in some of the songs we sing and so we, we, we hear that, but just imagine what that was like. The glory of the Lord shone around this, 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 these angels and, and can, can you imagine? And these guys immediately and understandably are filled, filled with terror. They're, and so this unnamed angel says what all angels say, and we've already seen this so far in our study of these gospel uh, of these passages in Luke. They 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 say what they always say when they appear, and they say, "Do not be afraid, fear not," because people are going to freak out whenever angels show up, because they're terrifying creatures and this glory of the Lord shining around them. So so this unnamed angel appears and immediately says, "Fear not," but more importantly. Notice what the angel says. He he explains to them why they don't have reason to fear. It's not, oh, we're not as scary as we look. You know, we're okay. We're good. We're unarmed or whatever. You know, he doesn't say that. They have reason not to fear, but they actually have reason to rejoice. Look at the text. Verse 10. For behold, see this, understand this, get this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, Daryl Bach, he says in this this vein, he says, humanity has nothing to fear when God moves in grace. That's what's happening. We have everything to fear if God moves towards us, but it's not in grace. We have everything to fear if we don't respond to God's movement toward us in grace with faith, trusting in the provision of His Son. But we have nothing to fear, even though God, the one who is most to be feared, if He moves towards us, if He moves towards us in grace, why? Because because this that and that's what's happening. Because this boy who was born is is sent by God not to judge us, not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but to save us. The most well known verses in all of the Bible, probably John three sixteen and. And in and, and verse 17, he, he, he tells us he's not come to condemn, but to save. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And listen, look at the very next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And this is that, that last song we were singing. This is, this is what this is about it's God entering in to save. The one to whom we should fear is the one to whom brings grace. R.C. Sproul said, the glory of the Gospel is that the one from whom we need to be saved is the very one who saves us. And that's what's going on here. This, This announcement is about God's intention to save. His intention to save. The announcement... He is, fear not, you shepherds, you sinners. Why don't we need to be afraid? Why shouldn't we be terrified? Because I have an announcement. The Lord has come to save. He has not come to judge. He's come near in grace to save. Brothers and sisters, this is wonderful news, isn't it? This is good news of great joy. This is the best news imaginable. And here's the the crux of the good news of this announcement, on a real day in a real city, a real Savior who is Christ the Lord has been born. So just note these, the, 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 the factual nature, the reality of this. It's a real day. For unto you is born this day. This isn't mythology. This isn't a fairy tale. There's, this was an actual day on, an, on our calendar. The, it happened in real history. Time and space history. We're talking about a day that God planned before the creation of the world, but a day that happened and showed up on the calendar. It's a real day. It's a real city in the city of David. The text says. The angels say it happened in a city in a in a city like Fayetteville, like Jonesboro. You can find this on a map. It's a city you can you can go there. This isn't again some mythological place. This isn't Narnia or or Middle Earth or something like that. This is. This is real. You can can pull it up on Google Maps and see where Bethlehem is located. About six miles outside of Jerusalem. About 6,400 miles from here. And so the city's name again is Bethlehem. It's a city where Jesse, King King David's father, lived hundreds of years before Christ. It's a city that Micah prophesied about hundreds of years before Christ's birth. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah? From you shall come forth for for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So it's on a real day, a, in a real city. It's this real Savior, a Savior. He's He's the one who's come to rescue us, to deliver us, to save us. Matthew chapter one, Matthew one twenty one. The angel uh, said to Joseph, "You're." You're to call His name Jesus, which means the Lord saves because He will save His people from their sins. If you've ever sinned against God, and just so we're all on the same page, you have, we all have, we're born sinners, Scripture tells us. But I don't have to convince you of this. You can just think back over your last week. You could think probably over this morning. We've sinned against God. Because we are sinners, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. He, and He, Jesus, is the promised suffering servant. The one that uh, was written about and spoken of in Isaiah 53. The, the promised one who would come, who would, who would stand in our place and suffer for our sins and take the punishment that we deserve. Taking our place to be a Savior. A real Savior. And He's a real Messiah who is, who is Christ. Christ is Messiah. The Anointed One the ultimate coming King, the fulfillment of all of those messianic prophecies that we read about in what we call the Old Testament. He's the greater David's greater Son. He's a real Messiah. He's the real Lord. The Lord. Just ponder that for a moment. He is Lord. That's the, that's the wonder that we were trying to get around our minds around, as particularly as we are singing that last song, He's the ruler, the sovereign one, the the mighty God, the Lord of the universe. He's the one Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 9 that we read earlier, 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, He's Lord. So this is an this angelic announcement. It's it's unbelievably huge. It is it is awesome. It cannot be overstated. This real baby born in this real city on this real day, and He's really a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the angel we know we read, He gives directions on how they're to find this this baby. They're not gonna go looking for this baby in the palace where he's you know draped in these you know purple or uh, you know blanket baby blanket or something like that, and this golden laying in this golden crib or something like that, wearing a royal diaper or something. No, he says you're gonna find him lying in a feeding trough, wrapped in rags. This is where you look for him. The Lord. This is the Lord. What a picture of humiliation of condescension that we have in the incarnation that this is the Savior who is the Messiah, who is the Lord, the one who holds all things together, the one who spoke everything into existence and holds all creation together. And here he is, a helpless baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. Well, in that that announcement, then suddenly the text says this heavenly entourage appears this angelic multitude shows up and uh, this army of angels fills the sky the text says a multitude of the heavenly hosts that's too many to number hundreds maybe thousands of angels this is more than when you read the little children's storybook and uh, the christmas scenes and there's three or four angels in the sky this is much bigger than that normally in scripture when angels show up they they appear individually uh and so most of the time, one angel can get the work done. I mean, even whole armies wiped out and by, by one angel. And But one angel is enough to make the announcement, but not enough to, to give this kind of response of praise. And so, so this angelic choir is needed. So this whole host of angels suddenly appears and sings out God's glory and sings out God's gracious disposition to undeserving sinners that we are. And that's the second thing I want us to note in the few minutes we have remaining here. So we want we want to believe this awesome announcement from the angels and secondly we want to we want to join in singing this this spectacular song. And again, I'm very deliberate in choosing that adjective spectacular, not just to try to be uh sensational, but it is a spectacle what's what's behold what 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 happens here as these angels begin to sing. So after the announcement of the angel about the birth of the Savior, heaven explodes in praise. Verse 14, and this is what they're singing. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now what did this sound like? I mean, I really don't know. I mean, just reading it feels horribly inadequate. But that's, that's what we're given and entrusted with. But, there, there's this angelic choir singing this song, probably repeating it over and over again. But look what it's composed of two stanzas, basically. Glory to God. So, glory to God. The, 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 the angels assign glory. Now, again, if you're a student of the scriptures, particularly if you're a student of the Old Testament, you understand that only God is, is deserving of glory, He's the only one. And here, are these angels from heaven come with this message: "Glory be to God in light of the birth of this child. Glory to God in the highest, among the highest heights of the heaven." Again, you know, that, that word should have all kinds of should set off all kinds of thoughts for us. We we can, uh, but, but what we're seeing is the coming of Jesus into the world, the incarnation of Christ. It's this most incredible revelation of the glory of God. This is John 1. We read this together a moment ago. We, we have seen His glory in, in Christ in this Word made flesh. Glories of the only Father, full of grace and truth. Man, there's revelation of glory. Now, listen, we were, we were made to live for the glory of God. That's why God made everything in creation. That's particularly why He made human beings. To live for the glory of God. That was His design. Now we know everything went off the rails when, in that moment of self-glory, of, of 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 rebellion in the Garden of Eden, all of that was shattered, Adam and Eve. And so, ever since Romans one tells us, our bent has been about exchanging the glory of the one true, immortal God and for these kind of shadowy substitutes, for creatures, for created things, and so. This is what we see though. What was everything that was lost in the garden, Christ has come to reclaim. And, and so now, now it's so appropriate that when the angels begin to sing at Christ's birth and when they have this response to this announcement that to you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, that glory is on their mind. And so this birth is announced to these shepherds and they're saying glory to God. And so glory to God. And then the second part of this song is peace from God. So glory is ascending to God. Peace is descending from God. That's, that's what these prepositions are showing us. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now we know as we see the broader storyline of scripture, there are, there are these incredible global aspects of of peace to this peace that still lie in the future that still have yet to be fulfilled. When the when when as Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk two fourteen says, when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, that day's coming. It hasn't arrived yet, and so this is the day, this coming day, when as when as Isaiah says, and that that last part of that passage we read of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. His kingdom's coming. And so we we still wait for Jesus the Messiah to come again and to usher in His kingdom to, to restore Israel, to bring about this worldwide peace under His one righteous rule and reign. That's coming, but Jesus has already come and this is what His birth is about. He's come to inaugurate that peace among God's people. And so before we talk more about the, that peace itself, just notice notice that, that it's qualified here. It's not peace, peace among everyone, but it's peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, what does that say? What does that mean? Let me just tell you what it's not. This isn't like some moral exhortation from the, the, the angels to the shepherds here or, or to us that we... You know, here we are about to enter into New Year that we all start making New 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 Year's resolutions or something like that. We're going to be better people who are more deserving of peace from God. That's not what this is talking about. Like we have to merit or to earn God's peace through, through our performance, through our good behavior, through our morality, or through some vows that we make to the Lord. That's not what's going on here. The point is actually the exact opposite of that. This is about God's gracious gift of His Son for the undeserving and for the ill-deserving; those actually deserving of His wrath. And so, this pleasure of God—that's His favor. That—that's His favorites. It's those to whom God has given grace. Our only listen. Our only hope of peace from God, peace with God is grace from God. That's what this is communicating. Uh, one commentary, I think this is on the screen, the new Bible commentary says, the, the point is that through the birth of the Messiah, God extends His favor to people who have done nothing to deserve it, and He graciously grants them peace. That's what this is about. It's about the gracious pleasure of God to give peace through his son to those who are deeply deserving of his just wrath because of their sin. God's gift of peace will come to those whom he's pleased to call through the gospel. His peace will come to those who 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 respond to the call of that gospel with faith, trusting in the provision of Christ. This peace, this Shalom. That's the Hebrew word. It, it's more than simply just the absence of conflict. That's how we think. I we just want peace in the home. I just want to, one day where we can have peace and we don't argue with one another. But it, it's that, but it's more than that. It's, it's the, it, the, this word, it pictures the proper order of all things. Everything's right. Everything's in order. Everything's working the way things were designed to work. This is what's lacking. Uh, We understand in our world, things are not functioning the way that God designed them to function. But when peace, peace is about proper function. God designed order. You and I were created for peace with God, a proper ordered relationship with God. This is what we see before the fall, before centered into the world in the garden. This is what Adam and Eve enjoyed. That this, this, that this peace was broken. It was lost because of the fall, because of sin. And yet Christ has come to restore this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justified. We've been justified by faith. Justified just means that God gives us this declaration that we are righteous, not because we have cleaned ourselves up, because we have... We've been declared righteous. We have Jesus' perfect righteousness accredited to our accounts. He took on our sin, our our unrighteousness. Our sin was credited to Him when He bore that on the cross and He credited to us His perfect righteousness in our place. And so we're justified then by faith, by trusting in that provision. And, And it's not by works, it's not by tradition, it's not by... Family ties—it's not by ancestry, it's not by baptism, not by our you know, commitments or vows, not by showing up to church, and and uh, not any of those things. It's by faith alone. Christ's righteousness is counted to ours, counted by God as ours by faith. That's what he's saying there in Romans five one. And the result of this is that now we have what he says is peace with God. God is no longer angry at us because of our sin and our rebellion. God brings us into His family. We have peace. And now now all of His dealings with us are only out of love and for our good because we have peace. that He's brought by His grace. He will never, ever, ever, ever be against us again if we are in Christ. He is our Father, he is our friend and nothing can separate us from that reality, from his love for us in Christ. We have <clears throat> right now peace with God. Now, I realize we're running short on time, but if I could just give you one implication of this before we close out. It's this, is that, and this is an implication that the New Testament makes over and over and over again. And so I think it's important for us to see, but because we have peace with God, we should strive for peace with one another, particularly within the church. I, I know, I mean, just if I could apply it, so keep that in mind in the context of the, the church, but even in, in you, many of you are going to be gathering with family members and and in situations over the next week, and and there's not a lot of shalom maybe in those gatherings, and there's maybe some old... Some old uh, hard lines of conflict, of, of offenses that have been lingering, and maybe there's bitterness within the family, and it's a strain to even get together in the same place and enjoy time together. Maybe there's something really fresh just over the last year, and all of the, the, the division that we've seen in the broader culture, many families have been affected by that, different thoughts on COVID or uh, political uh, lines, and so all those fault lines, they show up when you get together over Christmas. This is real. Yeah, is you're not an exception if this is you. This is this is for all of us. We have versions of this. and so I know I know in some of those difficult relationships, you know the thing you need to do, but it's not easy to do. So there are those. We're like, I, I know I just I need to forgive. I need to I need to, I need to talk with them. I need to have this conversation. But it's hard. It's very difficult to do. Another, another time, in other cases, you're confused about, you don't even know what the path of peace looks like for you and this particular conflict. And so how should you move towards them in love and forgiveness? You're, you're, not, you're honestly not sure. But I would just say, what should happen is that our our sense of amazement over the fact that God has graciously given us peace with Himself, who we were so undeserving, so ill deserving, that should make our hearts very patient and tender and kind and forgiving, like 70 times seven forgiving towards others. Ephesians 4, Paul talks about this. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. How? as God in Christ forgave you that, that that what we need is to believe and sense how much we've been forgiven by God in Christ and let that soften our hearts towards others I I think we all could stand to think about that some as we as we go into the next week I know I, again I know sometimes showing grace and kindness and 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 forgiveness and trying to walk the path of peace sometimes that gets thrown right back in our faces it's not reciprocated you think anybody might understand what that's like our savior is he's dying on the cross and everybody's abandoned him i mean those repeated hurts though that we experience they can make us bitter they can they if we're not careful i just implore you don't let that happen and it's not just by sheer force of will it's it's keep being more and more more and more amazed that your wrongs that your offenses that your mistakes have been forgiven and swallowed up by the grace of God in Christ and 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 that's far more significant than any ways you've been wronged by other people be amazed that you have peace with god that your guilt is washed away that will change your perspective. I don't mean it will all make it, you know, a Norman Rockwell painting or something like that as you come together. There will be awkwardness and it will be difficult, but it will help you as you enter into those times and spaces. Well, let's conclude. The, the incarnation, listen, the, the incarnation in and of itself, it did not bring us peace with God. That was at the end of the story, well, the Christmas story. But. That the incarnation was necessary so that Jesus could make peace through His death and resurrection. Paul says in Colossians 1.20 that Jesus made peace by the blood of His cross. In Hebrews chapter two, verse seventeen, the writer says He had to be made like His brothers, like humanity in every respect. That's through the incarnation; He had to be made like us, the Word made flesh so that, here's the purpose, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, that's a big word, propitiation, but it, it just simply means it's this offering that turns away the wrath of God that's directed against sin. It's satisfying God's punishment for sin. And so on the cross, Jesus Christ Himself became that offering. He became the... Object of God's wrath, he absorbed in himself the just condemnation of God for the sin, for our sin that we deserved. So that what? We could have peace with God. Jesus said that he was born to die. He was born to die. That's crazy to think about. But that there's one pra- primary purpose for his birth, for his life, and that was his death. Bethlehem happened so that Calvary could happen. He was born a real baby so that He could become a real man and die on a real cross in our place. And So this this is an incredible song that we hear, as it were, and that we now sing. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And it's an awesome announcement that this song is responding to, and the announcement was this. It's, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's that communicating? This, this good news is for you. It's for you. It's for me. Savior has been born for you. This isn't just about, you know, humanity in general. This is news that's for you in particular. It's for me, it's for us. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting announcement, isn't it? It, it? It's not, the angel doesn't say this, a, a baby has been born to Joseph and Mary. What does he say? A baby has been born for you. Listen, if you've not responded to the Gospel yet, my, I appeal to you with every fiber of my being. Respond to this gracious invitation, to this provision that God has made. I, I, I beg you to acknowledge your need for it, your, your sinfulness, that your need for His grace, for peace with God, that you, you stand at enmity with God apart from this gift acknowledge that you've offended the Holy one and that and that you that you you are accountable for that because of your sin. And acknowledge that you cannot save yourself, you cannot rescue yourself, you can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps. you can't ever be good enough to earn peace with God and instead humble yourself. receive the Savior that God has graciously provided so that you can be forgiven. From your sins, so that you won't have to face wrath for eternity, so that you can have peace with God now and forever. Listen, this, this will change your life. This isn't just change your Christmas season. This, this will make a difference for the rest of your life, not just for the rest of your life, for eternity. And church, I can just say to you, brothers and sisters in Christ who believe this gospel, who who know this peace with God, we, we have reason in all of our weariness, and all of our sorrows, and all of the difficulties of life in this fallen world. We're living in a world where shalom does not abound right now. And we feel that. We sense that. And particularly, I think, this year we sense that. But we still have reason to celebrate. In the midst of a weary world, we rejoice because there's one who's come to rescue us to save us and we know him and we've experienced that the more we remember our need for salvation the more we will rejoice in the savior i love the way that j.i packer captures the announcement of this song and we'll end with this i think this is on the screen as well he says the christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity hope of pardon hope of peace with god hope of glory because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard or will ever will hear. Brothers and sisters, this is all, all because of God and God alone. And so there's no wonder that the angels cry out, Glory to God, glory to God in the highest. Let's join them, let's pray, and then let's sing together. Father, I pray that as we prepare to sing, that if there is anyone here who hasn't yet received this gift of, of life in Christ, who hasn't doesn't know this peace with you, and in probably a real moment of honestly, they, they acknowledge that, they sense that. There's anxiety about what it would be to stand before you, a holy God. We're thankful for the provision you've made in Jesus Christ and the covering that you offer to us to clothe us in your righteousness so that we can stand before you, so that we can be received as your children and to know this peace and forgiveness. But if there's those here today who don't yet know that, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. They wouldn't delay any longer. They have questions that they would talk with someone and they would... It would it would seek out and, and be restless until they find rest in you, Lord. And for those of us who have experienced this, who know this, who who can testify to it, Lord, God, give just strength to our voices now as we respond, singing in, in response to this angelic song, Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.